If you have your Bible, open with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter number one. I promise one day I will get back into the book of James, um, but the Lord has directed my heart to preach these messages. Um, First Thessalonians chapter number one. Probably three months ago, approximately, I preached a message one evening about about ladies in the Bible. And um, many ladies asked me, when am I going to preach to the man? And I said that um, it's coming. And this week, um, the Lord um, put on my heart to bring the message today to preach to myself and to the men of Tabernacle Baptist Church. And, um, and, and while praying and preparing for this message today, I'll, I'll preach from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But I would like to, I'd like to read a couple of verses. If you'll look with me in Psalms, matter of fact, through the whole message, I'll, I'll be looking at many Bible verses, but in God willing. But in the book of Psalms 139, Psalm 139, in verse number 23 and 24, very, very popular passes of scripture. It is, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I'm preaching to myself this morning, but I pray that God will use the message and the words and that, that, that God will search all of our hearts. May I say though, these truths that will be brought out, they do not only apply to men, but they definitely are charged to man. But in the Bible, there's not sins that are just for men or that are just for women, but righteousness is right for all people. But there are things that God spoke to ladies and there are things that God spoke to men. If you'll look with me also, oh, let me read the verses again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Then if you'll look with me in the book of Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, verse number 9, and verse number 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so my heart's deceitful, your heart is deceitful. That's why we have the word of God. And that, that's why we have what God said, and so that we could see, are we where God tells us to be? Verse number 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. That's what I desire this morning, amen? For God to search my heart, for God to search your heart. I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Only God knows our heart. I don't know your heart and you don't know my heart. I can draw conclusions or have opinions based off of your actions. And you can have opinions and draw conclusions based off of my actions. But only God knows what is in mine or what is in your heart. And so this morning, I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit 
to search my heart, amen, and to search yours. If you look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter number one, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God and for Calvary and for dying for our sins and for raising again that we could be saved. Lord Jesus, search us today and may your will be done in every heart and life. Soften our hearts. May the Holy Spirit have liberty to work in every heart. Dear Lord, I pray for every person knowing that many are in different areas of life. Lord Jesus, would you, would you allow your, your good will to be done and may you be glorified in all things. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I, I wrote here in my Bible the reason that it's so necessary to preach on what God desires of a man. If you would just look around at society, there's many men that do not, do not know how to be a man because they've never had a man to teach them how to be a man. And, and at least not according to God's way. And so what we end up with is, is a lot of perversions taking place, broken homes, children with no daddies, broken families, or, or men not working, but laying out, collecting money from the government because they're not willing to work. They've never been taught character, dishonesty. And, and those are all addressed in the word of God. But the, the verse that I'm going to bring out this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse 5. And, and I'm specifically preaching to what God desires uh, of, of a godly man or of a Christian man. And so the Bible said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Aren't you thankful for the gospel? Amen. We don't have organized, vain, dead, dry, stale religion. We're, we're not Catholics. We're not here to celebrate rituals today and kiss pictures and pray to statues. Amen. We, we worship the living God. And he's seated at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. Amen. But notice what it said here, that the gospel came in, not in word only, but in power in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. But, but this last phrase is what speaks to me. As you know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And so if I understand this verse correctly, and I believe I do, because it matches what the rest of the word of God says, that the manner of men that these men were gave power when they preached the gospel. Why is that? Because these men said they believed the Bible. And there's a manner of Christian today, and they're not real Christians, but they say they're Christians and they love Jesus. But everything in their life disagrees with the Bible. That's not a Christian. Jesus said, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. I can say that I love Jesus all day long. But if I live in rebellion to him, I don't love him. I can say that I love Mary all day long. But if I don't treat her with love, then I don't love her. 
Amen? Amen. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And so the thought that comes on my mind today is what manner of men are you? What manner of man am I? And so I'd like to look at the scriptures. If you look at me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. First Corinthians chapter number four, verse number one and two, the Bible said, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so... My friend, I would ask today, are we faithful? Are we faithful to God? Are we faithful to his word? Are we faithful in what he tells us to be faithful to? Or are we faithful to ourselves? Yesterday, tonight, God willing, we'll be ordaining Brother Samuel Garrett. Yesterday, before the ordination council met, we had lunch together, and, and Brother Samuel Garrett was telling us about, about, about his father. And y'all know, I've told you many times before, I believe Bob Garrett's the holiest man I've ever met. You know the things that Bob Garrett preached wouldn't be welcome in most churches today? Brother Samuel told us that they would go to church, and Brother Garrett would get up and preach. And the moment he got done, people made a beeline to leave the auditorium. And he said that Brother Garrett said that the downfall in America, and this is preaching to me, this is preaching to you, is that people want pleasure in the world and to live however they want and to be able to say they love Jesus. But you can't do that. Jesus said, and, and we still believe the word of God's the authority, amen? amen? Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's what the word of God said. So my friend, my brother, am I faithful? Are you faithful? See, it starts with being faithful to God and to what he said. And when I'm faithful to God and to what he said, I'll be faithful to you. I'll be faithful to Mary. I'll be faithful to everybody. But the Bible said it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Then if you'll look with me in the book of Titus, chapter number two, God spoke many things to men in the book of Titus, he, men and women, actually. Titus chapter number two, we'll begin in verse number one, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. In this passage of scripture, we'll, we'll see the word sound a lot. And if you study the meaning of this word, it means to be healthy. And so, so the word of God tells us to speak those things that are sound or healthy doctrine. 
I had a lady one time before I ever come to Tabernacle, I'd just gotten saved and she was talking about her church and she said, oh, I love my church. She said, we don't got no doctrine or anything. We just worship Jesus. But everything the word of God tells us is doctrine, teaching. Amen. And, and so we're told here to speak those things that are sound doctrine, that are healthy doctrine. And he says here that the aged men be sober. This, so the word sober, you can apply it in many contexts. So I wanted to make sure that I brought this word out correctly at this point in the message. In this word sober, going back into the Greek, it, it means to abstain from wine. And it means to be temperate. And so there are people who, uh, there are people in independent Baptist churches that I can name, but I wouldn't. But I've heard reports of them going down and sitting in bars and smoking cigars and drinking alcohol. The Bible says that that should not be. Amen? The Bible says that should not be. Sober, to abstain from it. That means to have no contact. But then it means to be temperate in all things, to be tempered in all that we do. But notice the next word, that the aged men be sober and then to be grave. This word grave means to be venerable, honorable, and a man of character. A man of character. That our yea be yea and that our nay be nay. A man of honor, a man of honesty. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, self controlled, curbing one's desires of a sound mind. This is how God desires all of us to be. But may I bring out a context in this verse, notice it said here that the aged men, the aged men, may I just stand up and say, you older men of God, we need you. Preacher Aiken, we need you, brother. I watch you. I look to you. We need you. Brother Edens, I esteem you highly, preacher. We need you. That the aged men be. Why is this? You gentlemen, y'all are supposed to teach us to be this way. This is just as you read the context, the older ladies in the church are to teach the younger. Well, just look around. And you see ladies, young ladies going way in a direction they shouldn't be going. Why is it? Because older ladies are not teaching them. Well, you see the same thing in the lives of, of young men. Not teaching them. But the aged men are supposed to be this way. So that, so that when the young man looks to them, that it's a role model. That it's an example. The aged men be sober, grave, temperate. And then it said sound in faith, in charity, 
and in patience. Sound. There's that word again. Healthy. Strong. And it's our, our faith is supposed to be healthy and strong. Well, how, how does our faith get healthy and strong? The Bible said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You gentlemen, may I ask all of us a question? How much time do we spend in the Bible? How much time do we spend with God? How much time do we spend finding out what he wants or what he thinks, what he feels about something? Not about what I want, not about what you want, but what he wants. How much time do we spend producing our faith according to the way he would have it to be? You just read the book of Titus chapter 2, and, and there are many independent Baptist churches won't line up with what's written in there. You say, preacher, I don't like you to say things like, like that. Well, my friend, I don't like saying things like that. But there's a reason the Son of God said when he returns again, will he find faith on the earth? There's a reason the Bible said in the last days that men will be lovers of themselves and blasphemers and going completely against God. There's a need to say these things. I wish I could get up here and just say fancy things that make everybody happy all the time. But this is a truth written in the Bible. Sound in faith. But then not only does it say sound in faith, but in charity. In charity. What is this charity? This is love. You gentlemen, what's your love like? What's my love like towards the brethren? I started preaching in 1 John three months ago. And I've just gotten into the middle of 1 John chapter 3. Well, 1 John chapter 3 and 4, all that John is talking about is that we need to love one another. Amen. You know what the Bible said about love in the book of James? That it'll cover the multitude. Of sins. To love one another. My, my brothers, how's our love? How's your love to the Lord? How's your charity to the brethren? Let me ask this. How about to those that hate you? You see, the Lord, he told us in the book of Matthew that anybody, anybody can love those that like them. But what about those that, that hate you? Sound in faith. So when it says sound, you know what that means? It means that your faith needs to be according to the Bible. Not just something that sounds good or that everybody accepts. My friend, you just read through the Old Testament. Jeremiah, he was preaching the word of God and everybody did not accept what he preached. Ezekiel preached the word of God. Everybody did not accept what he preached. Isaiah preached the word of God. Everybody did not accept what he preached. You just, just, just take off reading through there. My friend, we can't follow a crowd. If we're going to walk with God, we have to follow the Bible. Sound in faith. 
This word sound, it's referring to strong, healthy, in a biblical manner. Sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Heard a preacher a long time ago say, don't pray for patience. He was joking because he was saying that the Lord will send troubles into your life to build patience in your life. A lot of times when we go through a trial or when we go through a difficulty, are we not trying to escape it? But God desires for us to go and grow through it. Heard one preacher say, grow through what you go through. When we go through things, we have one of two options to respond God's way or to respond according to our flesh. Sound in faith and charity and patience. But then may I say this, if, if you'll look with me down in, chapter, in verse number seven. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Well, may I say that I'm sure we all just became guilty right there. The Bible said in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Well, this word all means all, correct? And so in everything we do, we're to be a pattern. You look up this word and it'll mean fabric or material. So it makes me wonder, what are you made of? What am I made of? And we're supposed to, in all things, be a pattern of good works. In all things. When, you know, um, when people watch me, am I teaching them to go contrary to the word of God? When people watch you, are you teaching them to go contrary to the word of God? Look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 7. The son of God spoke about this. Verse 24 through verse 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his, house, built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And another passage of scripture of this same context, the Lord speaks about those that will teach men not to do according to what he said. But in all things, Men, we are to seek to be a pattern 
of good works. I'm going to fall short and you're going to fall short, but it's not supposed to be where, well, okay, well, I'm just not going to do anything and just live against the Bible. No, this is something we're to seek after. This is something we're to strive for. When I fall, when you fall, we're to correct it, to square it up, to make it right. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Notice the next thing. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness. That means to show integrity in our doctrine. Integrity. Notice the next words here. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness. And then gravity which we've already talked about, was to be venerable, honorable, to have character. But then it said sincerity. This means purity of heart and sincerity in serving the Lord. Verse number eight, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Well, the Lord's really laying it on us, is he not? Sound speech that cannot be condemned. This is sound doctrine, the Bible said. This is the will of God to the church. If you back up to Titus chapter number one, verse two, chapter number one, verse number one, and just read, Titus was left in Crete by the Apostle Paul to ordain elders and to teach them that this. Is how the church was to operate and how the people are to be and what we are to preach. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to, to say of you. God really laid it out, didn't he? I'm not done yet, but I have a question. Where do we line up? Where's our heart? Gentlemen, are we right with God? Are we what God would have us to be? I've heard many people over the years talk about the caliber of preachers of today are nothing to touch the caliber of preachers 30 years ago. Do you know why one of those reasons is? Because we're not living by what the word of God said. If you'll look with me in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1. Very popular verse. It's been read at Tabernacle Baptist Church probably a million times since the starting of this church. 1 Peter, chapter number 1. Verse number 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy. So that's God. But as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. What manner of man am I? What manner of man are you? Are we holy? Because the Bible told us to be holy in all manner of conversation. 
all. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Now, if you'll look with me in the book of James, chapter 4. James chapter number 4, in verse number 4. The Bible said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. My brothers, where do we stand? God desires you and I to be holy. I will fall short and you will fall short, but our response to that should not be, well, then I'm not going to seek to obey God. Our response to that should be, I will continuously get up and try again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. My brothers, God will have, you're single, he wants you to be holy. You're married, he wants you to be holy. You're young, he wants you to be holy. You're older, he wants you to be holy. That's what the word of God said. If you look with me in the book of Ephesians, chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God would have us to be strong. But may I say, God would not have me to be strong in the mentality of the world. God would not have me to be strong in the mentality of the flesh. It says here to be strong in the Lord. I'll never forget. When I first got saved, I was at a, I'd been saved about five or six months. And Brother Mark Stroud was preaching a youth camp, a winter team camp near where I got saved. And Preacher Aiken, I'll never forget that I heard him say one night in a youth meeting. I, I just walked in, I sat in the very back, I didn't know anybody there. And I, he- I heard him and he was preaching to the young men, he was preaching to the young ladies, and he said something. He said, Young ladies, He said, y'all are looking for husbands. And he said, you need a man that when he prays, God pays attention. The Bible tells men that God would have them to be strong in the Lord. Where are we, my brother? Where am I? Where are you? Are we strong in the ways of 2024? Are we strong in the ways that are being promoted in society? Are we strong in the word of God? Ephesians chapter number five, please. The Bible tells men that we should be a biblical husband. There is a great perversion today among the doctrine of marriage. God created marriage. And the son of God told us in the, in the gospel that God had a plan from the beginning. And although there are many things that happen, 
God's intention and his plan for marriage has never changed. And we find why that is here in Ephesians chapter 5. Marriage is a picture of the church. As As the son of God loves the church, so the husband is commanded to love his wife. And as the church is to be submissive to the son of God, so the wife is to be to her husband. And you think about it, when we look at revival, is that not the relationship whereby revival and the blessing of God dwells in a church? But then when you have a church that is in rebellion to God, the blessing of God is not there. Ichabod is on the door. And so there's to be that harmony. My brother, let me ask you a question. What can you do where Jesus will divorce you? What can you do where he will abandon you? Amen. You can do nothing. We believe in eternal security. So look with me here in the book of Ephesians chapter number 5. We'll pick up in verse number 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of, or even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. This doctrine that's out there of treating your wife like a doormat, or, or, or being rude and mean and hateful and, 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 and just vulgar and offsetting. That's not biblical. How does the Son of God treat you? That's how we are commanded to treat our wives. But then may I say this. Just as in 1 Peter chapter 3, a wife is told how to be to her husband if he is a devil and if he's evil. She's told by God, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, not to go home and preach at him, not to go home and correct him, not to go home and nag him, but she's told to go home and live a godly life in front of him and that it'll correct his heart. But sometimes the situation is reversed. And sometimes there's a man who's right with God and his wife is not. And we're told right here, how we are supposed to be to that lady. And the Bible said that it's supposed to be the way that Jesus loves the church. There's a great perversion of this in this day. We need to make sure that we stay right where the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Then if you'll look with me in the book of 1 Samuel... 1 Samuel chapter number 15. In 1 Samuel chapter number 15, we find a story where Saul had been given a commandment by God. And Saul went and did what he wanted to, And some of what God said was included in it. 
It was not in the spirit in which God said. It was not in the way in which God said. And it was not according to what God said. And so in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and verse 23. I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Samuel, forgive me. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse number 22, and Samuel said, hath the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. We find here where Saul thought he knew better than God. And he took this spoil and, and his, his, what he said is, oh, well, I got all these riches, so now I can give this all to God. My friend, that God sells us right here. He's more concerned with us obeying him than what we can give him. It's very clear. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. How's my heart? How's your heart? Gentlemen, if we rebel against the word of God, it's not okay. If you'll look with me in Joshua chapter number one, verse number eight. I'll be finished in just a few moments. Joshua chapter number one, verse number eight. The Bible tells us that God would have us to have a knowledge of the word of God. A knowledge of the word of God. I believe one of the greatest failures of a man who says he's a Christian is that he wakes up every day and he never reads his Bible and he never prays. Or he rarely reads his Bible and he rarely prays. It'll show in our life. It'll show in our attitude. It'll show in our actions. It'll show in what we do. And it'll manifest that we're not walking with God. And it'll affect all those around us. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. How do we measure success? Spiritual success will be measured by what does God say about it? 2 Timothy chapter 2.15 tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God. To study his word. Why do we need godly men? Because of the influence of the world. The influence of the world is seeking to lead men astray. Just look around. Just look around. They're trying to set this homosexual agenda into society. It's already there. You go and get on a Delta airplane and there's a sign of two men kissing each other. It's an abomination, God said. My friend Satan's goal is to bring it into the church. The influence of the world. It's not only that, but it's all the other mentalities as well. 
The influence of the world to tell you, well, well, just to compromise on the word of God. To compromise on what Jesus said. We need godly men so that we can make a difference and help people for the glory of God. Why else do we need godly men? Because of the intentions of the devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's an attack on masculinity. But then the inward battle with the flesh. When men do not live the way that God tells them to, they'll end up in all times of pagan heathen practices. The intrusive attack on the church and the home. In the book of Genesis, God created the home. And in that home, he put a man and a woman, masculinity and femininity, and it created a balance. But there's an attack that is trying to take away femininity and masculinize women and trying to take away the masculinity of men. You think I'm crazy, but it won't be long and there'll be men in high heels and skirts trying to sing in church choirs. If you'll look with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. We should as well be separated. I understand that this is increasingly growing to be one of the most hated doctrines of our day. And that's because people want to live in the world and say that they love Jesus. You can't do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, this is God talking here. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. That word touch not there means to have no contact with. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. The manner of man that we are matters. It matters because, first, for giving glory to God. Secondly, our testimony to others. Notice the verse. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you. For your sake, what these men preached, it was in their life. This truth was empowered when people saw that it had already affected their life. That's why your testimony is so powerful. What God did for you shows others what God can do for them. And it also builds trust. One of my closest friends, Brother Ernie Emson, 
He used to run with the Mexican mafia. He used to be a drug dealer. He got put in prison in Texas for smuggling drugs from Texas to Alabama. One day he was in a cell meeting with a leader of the Mexican mafia. They were making plans for, he was in prison for one year. And, 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 and they were making plans about what he was going to do and when he got out of prison. And he walked out of his jail cell. And he heard a preacher preaching at the top of his lungs. Pleading with people not to die and go to hell. And this man that used to be a thief and a drug dealer and a wicked heathen. All of a sudden he fell under Holy Ghost conviction. And he, and he started crying and he ran to that preacher and said, what are you talking about? And that preacher started at the beginning and preached to him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my dear brother bowed his heart right there before the son of God in repentance and faith and got saved. Today he's a preacher. And he lives what this book says. And that man that used to nobody could trust because the stuff that he sold would kill children and ruin homes. Today, they can go to him and believe him because the gospel touched and changed his life. That's what God wants out of every one of us men. If you're saved, if you're really saved, then, then the word of God should change you and me. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, and I'll be finished. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. You say, preacher, I've not measured up. Well, brother, let me share with you, none of us have. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. That's the Apostle Paul saying, I hadn't measured up. I hadn't become perfect, but I follow after. He said, but I keep on keeping on. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I haven't reached perfection, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. My brothers, how are we living today? It matters to God. And may I say, the world and Tabernacle Baptist Church, your family, my family, our friends, and all we know need godly men. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I tried to preach the message that you put on my heart. Lord, I pray that you'll have your way and will in every heart and life. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord